Um, lovely to see you this morning. It's, it's really a privilege being part of the Winchester family for Julie and I to be able to be sharing up here. Um, I was an accountant most of my working life. Yes, I was an accountant. I, think I'm, I consider myself God's sense of humour because I'm prophetic, extrovert accountant. So I have needed a lot of counselling to get to this place. Um, Julie was a teacher. Um, and in 2006, we took the step for me to leave my job and just do training and encouraging people to know God better through the prophetic ministry. Um, and here we are as part of the family. Um, my goal this morning, oh, I've, I've got a remote. My goal this morning is to teach you about hearing from God. Um, if you're already good at this, God bless you, that's wonderful. What I want to do, we're in a season of more. So my encouragement is to say there's more out there for you. Wherever you are, there's more of God for you to find. And I hope I can encourage you in the variety and the biblical principles involved that we can experience more of God. And I think as a church, there is that sense in the leadership that there is more coming for us, and we need to have our eyes, hearts, and spirits open for that. So I'm going to take you through, um, I'm going to talk about my objective in a minute, um, why it's relationally based, how God speaks, learning to listen, and some practical wisdom. What I want to do at the end is tackle some of the problems that stop us hearing from God and the doubts that go through our mind, which I think we need to address. So what is my objective today. My objective today is to explain why God speaks, to explain how God speaks and when God speaks, as well as covering some of the confusion. So that's my goal set for today. So let's get straight in. Oh, the, uh, the remote's working really well. I have a, a variety of challenges with remotes when I travel. I think the first thing I want to get across before we actually get into how do you hear from God, because you'll be doing that already, is to really get the environment clear. Because the thing that we need to understand is we're coming to God not as tourists, not as people who don't know him. We're coming to him as family. And I think the way we need to approach how to hear from God is to get to that environment where we're talking to our loving Heavenly Father. We are part of his family. If you want it, there is a bedroom in God's house with your name on it. You belong. This is a place where you should feel comfortable. You and I would consider it odd if a father never talked to his children. In fact, we'd probably report it. So this is something we should take for granted. This is not something that's meant to be hard. If you're thinking, well, it is for me, let's go on this journey and let's change our expectations. Because actually, the purpose of the cross was not to remove and release us from sin, although it did that. The purpose of the cross was to get you into a relationship with God so that you were a son and daughter of God and you could live out the freedom that Christ sacrificed himself for so that you can enjoy it today. It's about relationship. There is nothing other than relationship. So it's really, I'm not talking about how to hear from God. I'm saying to you, you're in a relationship. Take this for granted. Expect God to talk to you. It's a conversation with families and friends. John 14, 15 to 17 says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And the important verse, at the end of verse 17, But you know him, 
for he lives with you and he lives in you. Well, having God in me can't really get much closer, can it? It really can't get. So I know we experience this when I feel like I'm praying at the ceiling at times. Okay, That is an experience, but that's our feeling. The biblical reality is God can't get closer to you than in you. He's not even next to you. Um, and we've, we've celebrated, I understand, because I unfortunately wasn't here, we were in Jersey last weekend, that you talked about God being your friend. That's a really nice picture. Somebody you want to be with, somebody you enjoy, somebody you natter with. But this is your heavenly father. You are his son and daughter. So you have all of that and you have rights as well of inheritance in all that Jesus is doing. So can I encourage you, spending time with father means you get to know him better and he gets to know you better. Talking with God, being with God, it's a two-way communication. We think mobile phones are wonderful. Well, some of us think mobile phones are wonderful. Um, When I was at university or college, I had to sort of gamble that the phone in the college was free, and then I had to gamble my mum wasn't on the phone at the other end to get through. But when the kids went to university, you know, they'd get a question during their university lecture, and they can pick up their mobile and ask me that question straight down the line. Um, And it was quite challenging with Jane, because she was doing a theological degree, and I didn't know many of the answers, so I had to do as much swatting at home. But you could pick up the phone and talk there and then. God is better than a mobile phone. He invented that years ago. He is always and immediately accessible to us. And we need to break out of our mindset and really enjoy. It's your right. It is a biblical principle. I'm not selling you something that isn't there. It's what Jesus died for. And if he was willing to give his life for me, which I cannot understand fully, and be raised by the dead in the power of God, then it's got to be worthwhile for me to engage with all he teaches us. John 10, verses 1 to 5. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. In that parable, Jesus is stating very clearly, we will recognize his voice, and we will recognize what is not his voice. And as, I, as I'll explain later on, a lot of this will come by practice, but our, we are intended to recognize God's voice in our lives. It's meant to be a natural process. You can get at it. The whole purpose of the cross was so that we can be part of God's family. I've got a number of testimonies I want to talk to you about, things that have happened in Julie's and my life, to try and give you some feel of what like hearing from God is. And they're all based on different things. And this testimony is about feelings. Um, I was a young accountant. I was going through the management system. I had all the wrong worldly values. I was trying to climb the ladder. I was trying to get a career. Um, God hadn't taught me the principles of seeking first the kingdom of heaven the way that I needed to know it. Um, And I was really enjoying my job and seeming to be successful in the career. And then one of my clients came along and said, would you like to come and work for us as our financial controller? 
And I thought about it, and I prayed about it, and I offered it to God, and I was happy where I was, so I went away and said, no, thank you. That didn't settle in my heart at all. That didn't settle. And the longer I left it, the more uncertain, the more uncomfortable I came. It was in my mind all the time, and I even began to lose a little bit of sleep, wondering about whether I should. And in the end, after three months of wrestling with God, going, I am happy here, leave me alone. I am happy here. I said, okay, we do it your way. We do it your way. So I was, I was young and learning then, although I'm not necessarily much better now. It's still a journey. Um, I had to work three months' notice because I was in management, and I thought this was a kicker because I was going to be put on garden leave. You don't let people work in your firm with your clients. Um, but unfortunately, my Christian witness must have been too good because they let me work for three months, and I was very disappointed about this. Like, oh, my heavens. So I worked for three months, and I joined my new firm. And it was hard. It wasn't easy. And I'm going, this isn't better this isn't better, this is harder. I've gone from telling people how to do it. It was, it was easy telling people how to do a payroll and PAYE. It was very different having a thousand men relying on you to pay for them through your payroll system. Reality check. Reality check. Um, however, the lesson comes home two months later when my accountancy firm, and it was a time of season, it never happened before, started laying people off. And all my friends came back to the office to discover they were locked out because they didn't have a job anymore. Now, actually, it bit me because it happened to me so fortuitously, people thought I knew, and I took some grief for that. But I learned the lesson that when Father's talking to me, I listen. And I have been humbled when I've thought about that story. If you think about Father talked to me long enough for me to argue with him and then give my notice and still be outside of the nuclear fallout zone when it happened. That was just feelings. It just didn't feel right, and I needed to go with it. How does God speak? The Bible is our textbook, and there are some unusual and crazy things in the Bible, but they're in our textbook, so they're kosher. So I have gone through the Bible, and these are not all the ways, but God speaks through many, many different ways. He has many ways of speaking to you, and I need to open your mind to how God might speak to you. He speaks through visions. Well, what on earth are visions? Visions are having dreams when you're awake, is the simple way of putting it. Um, and Peter had one of these. Peter had a vision at that very critical moment in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius, a Gentile, was going to receive the Spirit of God and Peter was going to recognize it wasn't just for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles as well. And it says before Cornelius turned up, I mean, Cornelius was sent there by an angel anyway, so I mean, whoa, interesting times. It says Peter pondered on the vision he'd had. It's like having TV without having TV. It's a picture. Sometimes what's around you is obvious. Sometimes it consumes there. Um, we have dreams. Dreams are challenging because there are a lot of too much pizza dreams, unfortunately. They are just crazy and weird. But the, the Bible makes it very clear at critical moments in people's lives when major decisions had to be made, he frequently used the dream alternative. You know, even in his journey as a child, Joseph and Mary, uh, Joseph had dreams, very critical dreams of guidance from God. So we need to be open to those. I'm not saying all your dreams are from Father, but we need to recognize 
there will be times he'll come to you with significant and strategic wisdom through our dreams. And there are things that I call impressions, which aren't as strong as in visions and dreams, but there is a, a lovely little story in Jeremiah chapter 1, where Jeremiah, in American language, has lesson 101 in prophecy. And God simply says to him, what do you see, Jeremiah? And in his mind, he has a picture of an almond branch. And God explains what that almond branch means. And he then goes on to the second lesson, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah sees a boiling pot tilted out to the north. Now, those are impressions. They're not really clear pictures. I would say they are television pictures with a bad reception. They are definitely not HD quality. But God does speak through those. There will be times when you get impressions. Often when we're praying together, as we did down the front here, people got an impression, a thought or a picture in their mind, um, and they are ways that God speaks to us. There's obviously the audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God, although I have friends who have. Um, from the story in Samuel, where Samuel heard the audible voice of God, the thing we know is it's not a Hollywood voice. Moses! It's not a Hollywood voice. It's an everyday, normal voice. So much so that Samuel thought it was Eli calling to him. It's nothing spooky or unusual, which you may miss it. Um, probably the one that works most for me comes out of my RSV translation, the still small voice, which to these days is translated as the gentle whisper. And being a traditionalist, I can't go there. I'm still into the still small voice. It was a time when Elijah had had the greatest victory in Israel and had run away after being threatened by Jezebel. And God comes to him and he recognizes that God isn't in the charismatic fire. He isn't in the charismatic earthquake. He's not even in the charismatic winds that break rocks. He comes forward to meet God when he hears the still, small voice. And actually, in a world of social media, hearing the still, small voice is difficult. It just gets drowned out. We need to be alert and sensitive that Father speaks to us in a still, small voice. We have the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. I wish it was a textbook where I could look up chapters, how to raise your children, your teenage kids, chapter 14. I'd have been there. Um, it isn't like that, but there is tremendous wisdom in the Bible, and it makes it very clear, whatever you need to know to be complete in what Jesus has called you to do is in there for you to find. In fact, one of the definitions of prophecy I have, prophecy is the one verse in the Bible you need today without having to find it. That's just another way of what the Bible is to us. It is a wonderful resource. It keeps going. Angels are one of the ways that God talks to us. You might meet an angel. Evangelicals have been quite uncomfortable about angels because there's a great fear we will worship them. Um, and that is, that is something that John the Apostle was warned not to do. And they get dumbed down a little bit, but in the same way that dreams can be very significant in our lives, God could send you an angel to give you strategic um, guidance and wisdom at important times of your life. It's in the Bible. It's available to us. Um, Julie and I believe we met a very unusual angel. Um, he wasn't white with wings. Um, but that's another story, I'll tell you another. You'll have to pay for that one. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're, you know, wisdom, gift of knowledge, the gift of prophecy. They're called the wisdom gifts. Um, they are there, how God speaks to us. And can I also include through others? 
The fact that we have people in our church family who aren't moving supernaturally, same prophecy, doesn't mean they don't have an awful lot of godly wisdom and experience that you can benefit from. And it has been the mentors in my life who've shared with me their journey and their experience, like it didn't work for me, I wouldn't recommend it to you, have been really helpful. Godly wisdom is something we need to value, whether it's supernatural or not, and is available to us. There is a generational blessing in the family where we can help those coming along from following us um, and learning from our own mistakes. I'm just going to read you a little testimony that I have, which I hope helps this. This is more about our thought life. This is about our thought life. Sorry, page 35. I should have had it open, shouldn't I? Julie likes me to get my stories exactly right, so I thought I'd read it out. Some years ago, I went to an Encounter More conference at Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland and a good friend, with a good friend of mine. It was a time when I was seeking God for some big questions in my life, so I was making space for myself and being for myself. I found myself in the main hall all on my own and lost in thoughts when a group of men came in and sat down two rows right in front of me. With nearly an empty hall, this felt quite unusual, and believing that God appointments are more frequent than we realise, I began to wonder if the men sitting in front of me were there for a purpose. So I quietly asked the Holy Spirit if he wanted me to do or say anything. Not much happened, and then the group started chatting in a friendly banter until the man in front of me became quite engrossed in a very serious conversation. Phew, well that ends that. I don't have to do anything now. Then suddenly into my mind popped the thought... Tell him that the plant may be dead, but the roots are still good. Well, your heart rate goes up, and you think of a hundred ridiculous reasons why you can't possibly share that with him. Not too difficult, actually. Lady and a plant? Yeah, I'm going for that. Bloke and a plant? No chance. At this moment of doubt, the beggar turned round and said hello to me. Heavens. I'll have to do something, I thought. I'll go fishing. Yeah, I know, lack of faith. I introduced myself politely. Please don't think I'm weird. And said, I felt God had given me a word for him and wondered if something in his life had died recently. He looked at me, shaken, and and said, God is definitely speaking something through you. He looked at me very intently. Yeah, he thinks I'm weird. And then he told me, that they'd just come from the court where his business had been liquidated and wound up. They'd lost everything and they'd come into the conference which they'd seen as they were driving by spontaneously to see if God had any wisdom for them. You could have heard a pin drop in the room. Everybody was now looking at me. I haven't got anything else to say. (laughs) I shared with him and with them what God had said to me about the plant and the roots and how it easily fitted into his current situation with his business. My word grew in me as I began to share it, as did my confidence and relief. It grew into a significant prophecy, and it was interesting, they soon forgot I was there, as they bantered with each other what the good roots meant. And They had been considering buying a new property just before it had all gone, and wondered whether they should start again in the new location. 
I have learned time and time again that the Holy Spirit knows so much more than we do and trying to make decisions based on limited information we have is really not trusting and obeying him and is a recipe for missed opportunities. So there's an example. Remember, I only tell you the good stories, don't I? You've got to remember, I'm not telling you the rough stories, so have a be, be fair. Okay, listening skills. This is really about the Holy Spirit, and I want to encourage you on this. This is probably a truth that's come into my life a lot more in the last 10 years, and I wish I'd got it over there. There is a moment in Jesus' life, just after the Last Supper, when he sits down with the apostles, Judas has gone, and they're recognizing the miracles that are in his life. They have had the revelation that he is the Christ. He hasn't died and rose again, but he's done enough miracles to shake their world to know that something's up. And they've said to him, where else do we go to to get the words of life? So they really recognize. It's at this moment, Jesus gives them what my mentor would call a rat sandwich, something nobody wants. And he says to them, it's better that I leave you. Now you've found me, it's better that I leave you because the Holy Spirit's coming. And we need to press into that truth because that's insane. That's crazy. I finally found you, Jesus. I get where you're going. I get where you're coming from. And I cannot believe the miracles and power of God that's coming through you. We got revival on our doorstep. Let's just keep going. And he's telling them the best thing is to leave them. So the Holy Spirit coming to you and me and living within us must be huge. It must be huge. And it is this, how do we hear from God? Through the Holy Spirit, and I've shared with you in some of the testimonies, God gives us thoughts in our mind. He gives us appointments, good appointments where you meet people. And he gives you coincidences that just can't be coincidence. And the Holy Spirit is the one that rises up in you and says, this is God talking to you. This is when the alarm goes off and says, this is it. I've already had a God appointment this morning. I met a young lady whose life has clearly not gone the way she expected to do, and she's with us in Winchester Vineyard for the first time, starting all over again. And and I would like you to testify with me. I would like you as a family. I would like those of you who've had to start again as a witness, testify with me so she can see how many hands are in the air of people who've had to start all over again. Please. So, lass... We don't know who you are, but we understand where you're coming from, and this is a great place to be. Because we've sung all the right songs for her this morning, haven't we? Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Lass, I hope you're hearing these words, because you're in the right place at the right time. The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is a biblical promise that you need to grind into and stand in. Um, One of them is in John chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. And listen for me, when as I'm reading it, I use the words guide, speak, and declare. Now, guide, speak, and declare is not something you do. This is what the Holy Spirit's doing for you. Okay? This is why it's easy, because we're so... This is very proactive of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit isn't sitting back going, I wish they'd really get that act together and listen to me. He is proactively like a loving father talking to you, guiding you and declaring things to you. We just need to spot it when it's happening. I think Father made the, really made the lesson to me. In Southampton, we have a precinct area right in the centre of town where I don't go. And there's a million people travelling up and down it. And I discovered that you could walk down this Um, focusing on where you're going and completely miss people you know and love. And one day, I was walking past a really close friend and it was so rude that he reached out and grabbed me so I I realised he was there. And as I did that, the Holy Spirit said to me, that's how I feel sometimes. Okay. Brick on the head. We need to be alert to Father. So the Holy Spirit's talking. There's the, the telephone line's working. We just need to be alert to when it happens because it's not all the time. Um, when I was young, the government had a campaign which was really important about how children should cross the road. And all children were taught, and they had the adverts, and they were, they were advertising on ITV, that you stopped at the skir- curbside, you looked three ways, you listened for traffic, and then you crossed the road. You're all far too young. At 63, I remember these things. That's exactly what we need to do. You need to be going along your life, and there's that moment when the Holy Spirit starts ringing you on his mobile. A thought comes into your mind. There's a God appointment. There's a coincidence. And you need to stop and go, this could be one of those. Now, you don't see what it is. It just catches your attention. At that moment, you stop and look what is actually happening and then listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying about the situation as he communicates with you, and he will. Um, Hebrews 5.14, I want to leave you with a powerful encouragement. It's... Hebrews 5.14 is when the writer is moaning that these people aren't mature. I hope moaning's not an irreverent word. Complaining these people aren't mature. That, that's better. Isn't, that's better, Mervyn, isn't it? That's a bit better. Complaining these people aren't mature um, and they need to, they're still on milk. But it makes the point that the definition of mature is the people who've learned to discern between right and wrong, hear God, by practice. You get better with practice. So I teach practice makes perfect. Practice it. Don't expect to get it right all the time, but expect to get better and better and better at it. And after 44 years of walking with the Lord Jesus, I am getting much better at it than I was then. Um, uh, uh, let me give you a testimony about coincidence. One of, one of our kids unfortunately discovered after being in the, the dream job uh, that her manager was an abusive bully. Uh, And it became a real nightmare of mobile phone calls, lots of prayer, and trying to find out what Father is doing. Uh, And they became quite unhappy there. Um, And I was just, this is not God. God's got to be in this somewhere. I've got to find where God is in this. Uh, I know we're being overwhelmed. I know we're being crushed. I know you're unhappy. I know you're crying on the way to work. I need to find where God in is this to find a way out. I found myself at an annual leaders conference in the north and in the bookshop. And I knew this wasn't right because I don't read books. I'm sorry, I'm a very bad book reader. And so I thought, I'd better leave. And as I was leaving, behind the till, there was a poster framed on the wall that said, the best is yet to come. And of course, all my alarms go off. 
And I'm going, how on earth can I say to my daughter in a really difficult situation, the best is yet to come? So I thought, well, um, so the fortunate thing with mobile phones these days is you can, set, you can take the photograph and you can text it and you can send it and say, God is in this. I know it's awful. I know this is a nightmare, but God is in this. He's told me the best is yet to come. Something is going to break. So I send her that text and I get the usual reply. Yes, there is. I'm just having the worst day of my life. And you're sort of, oh my God. And, and as a father, that is dying. She drives home that night, and on her doorstep is her real gene job application. And she's, no, 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 this can't be, this can't be God. It's only maternity cover. And I'm like, dear heavens, daughter, have faith that when you get in there, he'll turn it into a full-time job. If you haven't, I will. And that's exactly what happened. She went there. She's so much happier. She's working in the whole of Kent now, which is, which is delightful. And it's really opened the situation and been a powerful testimony of what's happening. So that's not a happy situation, but that is a coincidence. And I'm just standing there looking at this poster thinking, that's just not a coincidence. Something's happening here. But it's a big reach when everything all around you is going down and hard. Practical wisdom. Okay. This is where I get very anxious. That's because I've only got eight minutes to go. Um, I tell the truth, okay? So this is the moment when you might think I'm a bit mad. Okay, I'm being quite serious. There are three voices in your head. And if you're going to learn to hear from God, you have to recognise which one is God's. It's not just one voice in your head, there are three voices. And this is when the white men in quotes come and carry me away. But there's no point in me teaching you how to hear from the Lord and helping you, encouraging you, sorry, if, if then you just get confused with the voices in your head. Okay? You may think you're the only one like this, but you're like the human race. There is, there is your thoughts in your mind. You can hear yourself talk. We can do that as human beings. We have thoughts. We can hear our own thoughts. There is also hearing from God. Somehow, God has to communicate with us. And if it's not by the audible voice, and it's not by the things that are around us, it's by thoughts in our mind. So there's God's voice in our mind. The difficult one is our enemy is in our mind as well. And John eight forty four says... When he was talking to the Pharisees, you are the father of the devil. Uh, your father is the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Um, many of the ministries in this church, wonderful ministries in this church, are dealing with the lies the enemy's voice in your mind has told you, and you have believed as the truth. All he has to do is come along to you and say, I'm going to teach you how to drive. And you go, that's very generous of you. So he teaches you how to drive, and you're in your first session. He said, traffic lights are very important. Red means go, and green means stop. You got it? Red means go, green means stop. What does he have to do then? Leave you and let nature take its course. Okay? And everybody else will be in the wrong, but you're not going to survive traffic lights for very long. It's simple, but that's what it's like. The, the danger is we have lies coming into our mind, which is why we need the Bible so much to recognize what is not biblical and what is biblical. And actually you'll find 
if we are to be renewed and transformed in our mind, if we are to use our godly weapons and bring our thought life under control, you need to know the Bible better. Realistically. You don't have to know it all, but you need to know the Bible. Now again, the Holy Spirit is behind you pushing because he has a ministry of one hand, he promises to lead us into all truth, and he promises to teach us all things. You're not on your own, and as we used to say in the accountancy profession, you have an open book exam, and that means you can take the textbook in with you, your Bible, and have it open on the table, and when you hit a question you're not sure of, you go back to the textbook. So, okay, the white men haven't come and take me away. The enemy is putting lies, thoughts of lies, into your mind. I don't come up to this stage today without the enemy still telling me it's going to be a complete disaster. They won't like you. You're going to stumble. You'll say something and they'll never invite you again. He never says to me, it's going to be awesome. It'll be such a success and you'll have friends everywhere. Okay? You, have, you, have, you must have Dr. Doom in your head somewhere. You know, I, again, I'm very old. I was raised on Dad's army. Everyone remember the Scotsman, Dad's army? At that critical moment, he would come out with, we're all doomed. And that voice is in your mind. He's there. He is there trying to hold you back. Fortunately, we have the Holy Spirit there. How do you know it's from God? That's the hurdle. Most people don't prophesy because they never get past this question. They never get past this question. And I think we need to get into Luke 11 because there's three wonderful promises in there. But I'm going to focus on verse 11, which is the third promise. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's, how do I know it's from God? Because I trust him. It is faith. Everything comes by faith. There is nothing other than faith. How do I know it's from God? Because I trust him. I mean, I used to, I used to sort of help Father along. When I was prophesying, I used to put my hand on the person so he, he knew what I was trying to do. And it was a big clue that I needed a word for this person. But it was really reassurance that if I ask God for something, he will give it to me. Ask, seek, knock. These are great. There's many great promises in 11, 3, 15. And the other one that I meet a lot is, what if I've missed something? What if God's spoken to me um, and I'm in the wrong country doing the wrong thing? What if, what if I've completely missed it? You have to go back to the very first thing I taught you. God is your heavenly father and loves you. If your child in a learning process starts to stick their hand in the fire, do you sit there and go, well, that's going to teach them. No, you don't. A loving Heavenly Father intervenes. I have such a loving God that if I'm genuinely, hear me, genuinely trying to get it right and I'm really getting it horribly wrong, he'll intervene. That's how much he loves me. If, I, if I'm genuinely trying to get it right and I'm getting it horribly wrong, he will intervene and nudge me back on the right course. Testimony. I, I left my job in 2006. It was a really cushy job. It was a very nice salary. As a lot, my, my accounts department were my congregation. 
Um, I've been there long enough for them to trust me, to share the gospel with them, to struggle with them, to struggle with the business. The business had been successful, and it was time to leave. And everybody told me I was mad except Julie. My mum was having a fit. My mum was having a fit. God bless her. And I, being, as, being the financial director and being the guy who sets the alarm, on my last day, I leave my firm CLC. And I'm standing in the car park going, I really hope I've done the right thing. Or this is going to be a serious crash and burn. And at that moment, it rained. I thought, well, that's fun. <laughs> and as the rain cleared, a rainbow formed. And that rainbow, from where I was standing, went from the gateway of CLC to my house, somewhere in Southampton. And I thought, thank you, thank you. In my doubt and insecurity, you gave me something to hang on to. I took a photograph of it, because it's one of those things you think, was I imagining that? Did that really happen? Okay, finally, my best story. I don't know, can you see that? The writing, there's a guy sitting in an office desk and the writing says in big one-foot letters, am I a good father? So I'm, in, I'm on my way home from Switzerland and I'm sitting at the EasyJet um, check-in um, and I'm, I'm there early because in those days you had to fight to get a seat. You didn't know what seat you were sitting in. That was really fun. Cheapest thing going, cheapest chips, so that's where I am. And I'm sitting there minding my own business and my eyes suddenly focus on the wall on the other side. This is it's about 40 foot wide. Am I a good father? Fortunately, a friend saw it in a magazine later on. So I'm looking at that a little bit like the, the best is yet to come, thinking, well, that definitely means something. Well, I haven't a clue what it means. So I do what you do as a Christian. I think he's telling me off, and I do, I do guilt really well. I do guilt really well. What? Am I a good father? What? what? Well, I thought we'd had a good weekend. You know, I thought it had gone really well. Did it not go really well? Did I do something wrong? Am I a good father? You know, have I let you down? I, I thought we agreed on this. I thought we were okay. We're not okay. And I'm having this sort of, you know, so that's not working. So I try tongues. There's nobody there. I do it just quietly, just to sometimes build myself up with tongues, a bit uncertain. Thing. Then I pray. Can't get anything. I can't get anything. So I forget about it. And I get on the plane. And we fly across France. Um, and I guess what happened to me is going to happen very soon when the hurricane arrives in England. Because as I arrived home over Gatwick, the last plane of the day, the remainder of Hurricane Imogen was there, which had been downgraded to a storm. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Okay. What it basically means was I was in a biscuit tin and some idiot was doing this to it. So we were flying along across the clouds. I had no idea. We came down in the clouds to land at Gatwick um, and we turned into this biscuit tin. And I, I'm, I'm not a regular flyer. I do Jersey. They're sort of 30-minute hops. Uh, and I'm like, man, this is actually quite scary. Um, and, but I thought, if we get down under the clouds, we'll be okay. It got worse. It was really windy there. Um, we land. Well, we land one wheel. We land one wheel. And I'm looking at the grass thinking, his wing's going to touch the ground, you see. At this point, I discover that there is a noise louder than taking off. That is a plane deciding not to land and take off in an emergency. This enormous noise takes off. Well, I'm immediately thinking, well, thank goodness for that, because they'll put us in a circling pattern above the clouds, and we can all recover. 
Unfortunately, we're the last plane of the day. So we go round in the clouds. We just stay in the biscuit tin. Well, at this point, three things start to happen to me I've never met before. People start crying. Somebody is sick. And the stewardess rushes past me because somebody else has fainted. So I'm, I am scared. I am genuinely scared. And we're coming in for a second time. Okay? And this picture comes in front of me. Am I a good father? And I'm going, not now. <laughs> I'm trying to survive. And this picture just hangs there. And I suddenly twig. Am I a good father? Yes, you are. So I'm okay. I get this. I get this. Well, we land the other wheel this time. We land the other wheel this time. And I'm ready for him to take off. So I've got my fingers in my ears. Um, but I'm, I'm much more relaxed now because I figured I'm going to survive this because he is a good father. I had to answer the question. So I finally got that. Again, I'm happy. They get, so I'm, oh, how do you get back from Manchester or Stansted? They're going to send us up. Well, we had a suicidal pilot and he had to land. So he did what they do at Jersey sometimes when it's very windy. They come in touching the treetops at top speed. And he got us in, but we, we ended at the end of the runway sideways, so we didn't finish the runway. But um, I, I hope this makes the Lord Jesus look good, not me, because I was just scared. But it makes the point. I was going into a situation I didn't know, and he was preparing me for it. But I could have just thought that was an advert on the wall. But I took a picture because I thought... I can't, I've got no idea what that is, but that just looks a bit too obvious for it not to be God. So let me finish there. Thank you very much for hanging in there with me. Give it a go. Practice makes perfect. God is talking to you. He's on the line. If you pick up the phone, he will pick up the phone and talk to you. Be alert to what's going on around you. And particularly as a church, as we enter into whatever more is, and we don't know, we need to be alert to what Father is doing in our lives. Amen.